There we go. We're in Nehemiah, uh, chapter 5 today. If you've not been with us the last few weeks, we've already covered the first uh, four chapters. And um, you just have to quickly read that to catch up. No, really. <laughs> uh, we've had uh, Nehemiah, who's a cupbearer with the king in Persia, um, in, the, in the city of Susa. He's, he's kind of an important official, but he's a Jew. Um, and they're in captivity. This is while they're in exile. Some of the some of the exiles had already returned and rebuilt the temple, and there's a community trying to work out their uh, faith um, in the returned land. And then Nehemiah's brother comes back, or his um, family member comes back, and <clears throat> Nehemiah says, "How how are things going for the for the community out there?" And he goes, "It's bad, like it's not good at all. The walls all broken down. The gates are burned with fire." And Nehemiah is like grieved. And so he, he stops and he prays for days and days and days. And then he, he culminates that with a prayer, which we heard in Nehemiah 1. Just, God, you know, like, use me. I'm going to try and talk to the king and, and, and please. And then, he, and then he does it afraid. He goes to the king and he asks, can I please have resources to go and rebuild the walls of the... Um, and the king, instead of killing him, <laughs> says, yes, you can go and rebuild the walls. And so then he goes back. But there's opposition there, and he scopes the place out, and then he rallies the people, and they're doing this amazing work of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. In the middle of that work, now the whole thing, only, we'll find out later, only took 52 days, so it's not a long process. But in the middle of that work, just when the walls, they're almost done, um, they haven't started on the gates yet, this, is, this happens. About this time, Nehemiah 5, some of the men and their wives raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews. They were saying, we have such large families, we need more food to survive. And others said, we've mortgaged our fields, vineyards and homes to get food uh, during the famine. And others said, we've had to borrow money on our fields and our vineyards to pay our taxes. Then they said this, we, we belong to the same family as those who are wealthy and our children are just like theirs, yet we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. We've already sold some of our daughters and we're helpless to do anything about it for our fields and vineyards are already mortgaged to others. First thing, if you've ever led anything and there's a project and you want to get it done and somebody comes and says, there's a problem with the workers, you're like, oh, like, really? That's what this is. Like, we're building a wall, like, ah, um, it's tempting as a leader always to go, look, we're, let's focus on the thing that we're trying to do here. But Nehemiah, because this, um, just for clarity, this complaint against their fellow Jews, it says, is because it isn't, they're not complaining, oh God, God sent us this famine and now we don't have any food. They're not, they're not complaining, times are hard and we don't have any food. They're not complaining, I had to give up you know, my, normally I'd till the fields, but I can't because I'm working on the wall and so I don't have any food. All of that's happening. What they're saying is, those guys who are in our family are our problem here. Because they, they what? They're charging us interest on the money that they've lent us, but we haven't got the money to pay their interest and so we have to sell our kids to people who are not Jews in order to raise enough money to live because of this uh, usury, because of this onerous thing that's happening from our, from our own families, from our own people. Nehemiah, 
says, when I heard their complaints, I was very angry. When I heard their complaints, I was very angry. Why was Nehemiah angry? I mean, because people were abusing other people? Yes, because, because this system that's set up is, is um, causing these people to have to sell their kids into slavery? Yes, he's angry. But more than that, Nehemiah is angry because he's, what he's trying to do here isn't just build a wall, it's to build a people. What he's trying to do here is not just to protect the, a physical temple, but to protect the holiness of God's name. And that's represented to the nations around by the way these people are going to treat each other. And the way they're treating each other is undermining the very thing that he's trying to protect. Uh, Isaiah 1. This is the prophet Isaiah, and Nehemiah would know this scripture. The prophet Isaiah, who's prophesying to uh, Judah before the exile. Listen to this. I'm going to read a fair bit of this. Listen, O heavens, pay attention, earth. This is what the Lord says. The children I raised and cared for have rebelled against me. Even an ox knows its owner and a donkey recognizes its master's care. But Israel doesn't know its master. My people don't recognize my care for them. What a sinful nation they are. Loaded down with a burden of guilt. They are evil people. Corrupt children who have rejected the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. What makes you think I want all your sacrifices, says the Lord. I'm sick of your burnt offerings and rams and the fat of... I get no pleasure from bloods and the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to worship me, who asks you to parade through my courts with all your ceremony? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offering disgusts me. As for your celebrations of new moon and Sabbath on your special days for fasting, they're all sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual festivals. They're a burden to me. I cannot stand them. This is God talking to his people. Before the exile. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen. For your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. What have they done wrong? Listen. This is his remedy. This is God's remedy. This is how God's going to turn from his disgust to want his people to, to be with his people again. Uh, wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. And that's when God says, come now. Let's settle this. Though your sins are like scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, I'll make them white as wool. Help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, fight for the rights of widows. That was before the exile. Now here is Nehemiah with the returned people who have come back to be holy to the Lord. They've come back because ostensibly they've learned their lesson and now they just want to worship God and not other gods and they've come back um, to, to, to bring honor again and glory to the name of Yahweh, of God in this, in this um, new community that's building and Nehemiah is doing this powerful work with them and they are doing exactly the same thing. 
that got him into trouble in the first place. When I heard their complaints, I was very angry. So what did Nehemiah do? After thinking it over, I'm going to stop there. After thinking it over, I said, uh, I thought, when I, was, when I was preparing this, I stopped here and I just wrote this little note. May this line always find its way into my pattern of, <laughs> of behavior. When I heard this, I was very angry. After thinking it over, I moved. I said, I acted. This is Nehemiah's pattern, isn't it? Even when he hears in, in um, chapter 1, when I heard this, I was, he was, oh, he was distraught. And so I went away and I prayed. And then I responded. So I'll commend to you Nehemiah's um, pattern when you're very angry. Um, people who are wise uh, have injected this thought into my life over the last few years too. Just that, uh, like, stimulus, reflect, respond. You know, get the reflect a little bit happening into, into your life. It'll help you a lot after thinking it over. <laughs> After thinking it over, I spoke out against these nobles and officials. I told them, you're hurting your own relatives by charging interest when they borrow money. Then I called a public meeting to deal with the problem. He's got, he doesn't muck around there, Maya. He's got no, I've got no time to just go, you know, sidle up beside someone and go, hey, you probably shouldn't be doing that. No, just everyone, everyone, get in here. Um, at the meeting, I said to them, we are, we are doing all we can to redeem our Jewish relatives who've had to sell themselves to pagan foreigners, but you're selling them back into slavery again. How often must we redeem them? And they had nothing to say in their defense. This is Nehemiah's account of the uh, occasion, by the way. And so you get that sense of he's, he's like, I pinged them and I had them. Then I press further. What you're doing is not right. Should you not walk in the fear of our God in order to avoid being mocked by our enemy nations? I myself, as well as my brothers and my workers, have been lending the people money and grain. But now, let us stop this business of charging interest. You must restore their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and homes to them this very day. And repay the interest you charge when you lent them money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. How do you like this? So you've got the whole, com- the whole community there. You've got the rich people who everyone knows, you know, they've got the money and they're the ones who are lending it out. <coughs> and it's not exorbitant interest. It's a standard kind of practice in that, in that um, system. You know, you lend money, you expect people to sort of... That's the way our system works, is it not? Um, so they're all there. The people who are having to sell the kids, right next to the people who are lending them the money that's making them have to sell the kids. They're all in this community together. Nehemiah goes, you guys, it's not right. Give it back. Now. Well, can you imagine an Australian community where that happened? 
that's a fantasy for me. You know, you drive away from your dentist and he's very kind and compassionate and says to you, don't worry, we have a payment plan that you can use. And he drives off in his BMW to one of his four holiday houses and you think, how am I going to feed my kids this week? Wouldn't it be nice if somebody came up and said, oi, give it back. Like, give it back, like right now. Can you imagine, I mean, that's not the same, but can you imagine that scene? You know, where money is where it should be in terms of people's own heads. My money is my money. I've earned this money, I've had this money, um, or I don't have this money or whatever. Like, um, just God confronting you and saying, no, that you shouldn't, no, give it back. Like today, give it back. All of it. That would have been a lot of money. All their fields and vineyards and olive groves and homes. Like, restore that family to the place that they should have in this society. Give it back. Why? Nehemiah says this, like there's lots of reasons why, and you could say, well, because of this, but this is Nehemiah's reason. Should you not walk in the fear of our God? Should you not walk in the fear of our God? There are lots of things that motivate us to follow God's purposes. And if I asked you, why do you follow Jesus? You know, or ask myself, why do I follow Jesus? There'd be lots of reasons and they'd be awesome reasons, positive, because it's the best, because I trust him, because we're going to an eternal you know, future, because, um, because I believe that it's true, all, you know, all of those things. But this reason should grip our hearts. Shouldn't we walk in the fear of our God? Not, not like, shouldn't we be afraid? Well, a little bit afraid. <laughs> but, um, but shouldn't we have deep reverence and awe and respect for who God is in this scenario and who we are in this scenario. Jesus said, uh, don't be afraid of those who can kill your body. <laughs> don't be afraid of those who can kill your body um, because they can't harm your soul. Be afraid of the one who's got the power to... He's got your eternity in his hands. Like, you, you, he holds your soul. This is our Father, our God. Like, fear God, Jesus says. So Nehemiah says, what we're doing is not right. Don't you fear God? They replied, we will give back everything and demand nothing more from the people. We will do as you say. Then I called the priests and made the nobles and officials swear to what they'd promised. I shook out the folds of my robe and said, If you fail to keep your promise, may God shake you like this from your homes and your property. You're getting this feel of the kind of person Nehemiah is. Um, the whole assembly responded, Amen. And they praised the Lord and the people did as they had promised. It sounds like a children's story. Um, like, give it all back now. And they went, Oh, all right. Like I said at the start of this uh, series, there's no overt miracles in Nehemiah. Like it's not like God, you know, rains down fire or parts the seas or, or heals lots of people or anything like that. But how about this one? All the rich people gave the money back from, that they got from interest. Um, 
Not because I felt gooey and fuzzy about it, but because don't you fear God? Don't you reverence God? You know, um, if somebody gives you, like today, I'm trying to think of uh, examples that will help us here. If somebody gives you, they say, oh, I didn't put my money in the offering. Here's, you know, $600 or whatever. Can you just drop it in the box for me? And nobody knows what you're going to do with all of those notes in your hand on the way to the thing. You could easily take one or two of those and pocket them and put 400 in the offering and no one would ever know. Would you do that? Why would you not do that? Don't you fear God? Like, wouldn't, you, wouldn't that just burn your conscience? Because don't we fear God? You know, we, when, I, when I, um, I just had to pay a speeding fine, that was my son's. Yes. My fault, because I didn't organise the payment in time. To, uh, the, the, um, you know, I wasn't driving thing in time. Anyway, so I've got a demerit point I didn't earn. <laughs> anyway. Um, the reason I don't speed is because I have a healthy respect for the penalty. And, you know, because it's wiser and I don't want to hurt anyone. But really, it's because, like, if I knew there was no, con- no potential for penalty, I probably would not be as careful as I am because I have respect. The, I, I fear the penalty um, of, that, of that action. And life is like, don't you fear God? Who's put this beautiful thing down for us and has ways that we should live and behave and, and has a, a beautiful plan for all of us and has a way that he wants us to be. Don't we fear? Don't we fear God? In our hearts, in our purity, in our love for our wife, for our husband. Like, would you, would you chase another man's wife? Would you chase another lady's husband? Don't you fear God? Would you, would you earn all that money and keep it just for you and hoard it and get bigger and bigger barns? Don't you fear God? Nehemiah um, goes on with a with a um, his addendum to this story. For the entire 12 years that I was governor of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of the reign of Artaxerxes, neither I nor my officials drew on our official food allowance. The former governors, in contrast, had laid heavy burdens on the people, demanding a daily ration of food and wine, beside 40 pieces of silver. Even their assistants took advantage of the people, but because I feared God, I did not act that way. I also devoted myself to working on the wall and refused to acquire any land. And I required all of my servants to spend time working on the wall. And I asked for nothing, even though I regularly fed 150 Jewish officials at my table, besides all the visitors from other lands. And the provisions I paid for each day included one ox, six choice sheep and goats, and a large number of poultry. And every 10 days, we needed a large supply of all kinds of wine. Yet I refused to claim the governor's food allowance because the people already carried a heavy burden. Remember, O God... 
all that I've done for these people and bless me for it. You hear this kind of, it's almost a scramble to go, I tried to fear God. I I tried to live in the way that God would want me to live in this space. I tried to make it about the need of those around me and not just grab stuff for myself. Um, I found my own heart doing this when I'm preparing this message. I'm thinking, I know God, we live in one of the wealthiest countries in the world and, and our country kind of does this usury to every other kind of nation around the place. We just take more from them so we can live in wealth and luxury and and I don't know how, what to do about that, and, how, and, and I've got a lot more money than a lot of other people have got, even locally um, around here. But God, I, I do, I help when I can. We have these compassion kids, and, and we sponsor them, and, and I love that, and we, and we give money to um, food relief, and, and, we, and we help whenever we can. Well, um, off, well, sometimes we help, you know, like around, the, you have this kind of like, I'm trying to fear God in the way that I handle my resources. I'm trying. God, remember the things that I tried to do for the sake of other people. You, you feel that from Nehemiah? I, do you, does that resonate with you? Like, God, I want to fear you in this area of my life. I want to live in reverence for the way you want me to, to live my life. Should you not walk in the fear? Of our God. It's so sad. Um, and I lo- by the way, I love that Nehemiah said, the other leaders did this, but I just wanted to walk in the fear of our God. And I've looked around in the last, um, well, 10 years and watched Christian leader after Christian leader after Christian leader not walk in the fear of our God and it's devastating I want to walk in the fear of our God I'm a broken sinner just like you we all we all fail none of us get this right these areas in our life are there not where we go wow I'm not walking in the fear of our God in that area of my life me and you too but I want to I want to walk in the fear of God I want you to walk in the fear of God, in reverence for God and who He is. Some things are easily correctable, like give the money back. Some things are harder because of their addictions and habits and, and um, they're harder. And you think, I want to and I can't. We're here for each other. We want to help. There's no judgment, just help. So if there's an issue for you and you think, I want to walk in the fear of God in this place in my life and I can't, I just want to say, I, I know I know that. I know the reality of that and we want to help. And there's plenty of people here who can help. We want to walk with you. We want to get there together where we can walk in the fear of our God. Let me pray. Our Father, you are love and joy and peace. And in knowing you, we find fulfillment and satisfaction forever and ever. And we're so grateful for all this beauty that falls into our life, that flows into our life because because of our trust in you and because of your love for us. Um, 
And we know <laughs> sometimes, God, we need this. We need this reminder of who you are and the kind of respect that you are due. Help us, God, to walk into fear of you in a healthy way, in awe of you, respecting your will and ways, feeling the weight of, of the parameters that you've set for us. Um, and God, where we don't know, where we don't know, bring us clarity. And even when we can't find clarity, like pour your spirit into our hearts. Help us to remember and to be reminded how much you love us, how much you want to nurture us, how much you want to help us to understand what it is you're calling us to and to walk with you, to walk with you. This is our prayer in our heart. In Jesus' name.